Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and I know I've talked about meal timing in the past, but I've been getting some questions about what to do if you are forced to eat at a bad time. Are there any strategies to optimize brain performance when you're forced into something that is suboptimal? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So before I hop into that, if you can, please be sure to leave me a rating and review. I love hearing what you're thinking. I read 100% of the comments that you guys send me, which is sometimes despite my better judgment. (laughs) And if you can, also please do subscribe. It really does help me out a whole lot. And I want you to be the first to know when I have more episodes coming on out. And believe me when I tell you, I have so much more in store for you. With that out of the way, let's talk about this really interesting study that came out in 2019. So pretty recent. This was by author named Gupta, G-U-P-T-A. And they wanted to figure out if there was an optimal feeding protocol to maintain cognitive performance under night shift conditions. Now, as a little bit of a reminder for you guys, humans are naturally diurnal, which means that we are meant to be awake during the day and asleep at night. And in agreement with that, all of our physiology, all of our hormones, all of our chemistry, we are primed to do stuff in the day. And we are primed to not do stuff at night. Okay, that's the rest and relax period. And if you force your body to do stuff in the nighttime when your body doesn't want to, this is something that has very clearly led in the literature to short-term impairments and long-term health complications. All right, you can go ahead and listen to my other podcast. Now, as far as historical research data is concerned, what we do see is that the longer you are engaging in a cognitive task, your performance worsens. If you have to engage in multiple tasks, your performance worsens. If you have to engage in stuff that is high complexity, your performance worsens. If you need a faster response, performance worsens. If you have to do a monotonous task, performance worsens. (laughs) Okay, so we have all this data which shows that there is some sort of mental fatigue that builds up the more cognitively demanding tasks that you engage in. And the effect is compounded at night. As far as different meals and their effects on brain and cognitive performance, again, I've talked a little bit about this, but just to recap some of it, there is data showing that in some individuals, there can be a performance dip about two to three hours after a breakfast meal. We also see a similar effect happening after lunch, where you can see slow reaction time, and an impaired ability to maintain attention. But the really interesting thing about this study is that there is no data looking at postprandial performance during the nighttime. And all I mean by postprandial is after you eat a meal. So no one has looked at performance after after a feeding occurrence, specifically during the nighttime. We have data during the daytime, but what about during the nighttime? There was one small lead-in study with the same researchers to this. So they they did some preliminary research where what they found was that when you compared people who ate a meal at night versus didn't uh, those who did not eat a meal at night, and you looked at the effects on driving performance as well as attention, those who didn't eat did better. 
Okay, so those who didn't eat did better. So that was the first study that looked at it. Again, that was kind of a lead-in study to this current one. So in the current study, what did they do? They wanted to look at the effects of meal size. So they had this lead-in study which showed that having a meal versus having nothing impaired performance, right? So the current study, what they wanted to do is they wanted to use either a small snack versus a whole meal versus nothing during four simulated night shifts, okay, four consecutive simulated night shifts. And the effects that they were looking were specifically on driving performance, as well as various cognitive metrics. And I'll walk through each of those. Now, the individual, the participants who, who actually enrolled in this study, they were on average about 25 years old. They got 44 of them to participate and they had regular sleep schedules. They got a good mix of females and males, and they were relatively healthy. Now, what they did was they had a seven-day simulated shift work where three of the days were normal and four of the days were night shifts. Follow me so far? <laughs> This was a lab study, which means they had to come in and basically live in the lab. So these are the best kind of studies because they can control every single variable. So the temperature was controlled for, physical activity could be monitored, their food was controlled for, their sleep patterns were controlled for, air quality, uh, communications, like everything was controlled for. Okay, they lived in this lab. They were lab rats. The food that they were provided was in line with the Australian government guidelines. So for that, they had a diet split of 40% carbs, 33% fat, 17% protein, as well as getting a minimum of 23 grams of fiber per day. Now, if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say that diet was probably a little bit healthier than what they were doing before they walked in. Now, the three different conditions that I mentioned, so we had the snack, the meal, and the fast. For the meal condition, they had a 7 p.m. dinner, a 12.30 a.m. night shift meal, and breakfast at 7 a.m. And their dinner meal was 40% of their total calories, and then the breakfast and the night shift meal were 30% of their total calories. So 40, 30, 30. Now, for the snack condition, this one was a little bit interesting. So this one, they had a snack at 5 p.m. So this was two hours. They got to eat two hours earlier than the meal condition. They had the same 7 p.m. dinner. They had another snack in lieu of the night shift meal at 12.30, same exact time. They had the same breakfast at 7 a.m. And the only difference was, whereas the meal at night in the meal condition was 30% of the total calories. In this con in the snack condition, it was 10% of their total calories. And then they had a second snack to fill out the remaining 20% of their calories. In the fasting condition, they still had the 7 p.m. dinner and the 7 a.m. breakfast, and those accounted for 40 and 30% of their total calories, exact same as the other two conditions. But what they gave them was a after-breakfast snack and a pre-dinner snack. So there was no food over the night shift whatsoever. They had to go 12 hours without eating, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. They had a snack after breakfast at 9.30 a.m. 
and they had a snack before dinner at 5 p.m. Okay, and these corresponded to 10 and 20% of their total calories as well. Just to briefly recap, three conditions, one with a meal, one with a snack, and one with nothing over a simulated night shift. All right, the, the midpoint of this night shift was at about 1230 in the morning. As far as the cognitive tests that they used to measure performance, they did a psychomotor vigilance task, which is essentially it measures how well you can maintain and keep performing um, in response to visual stimuli. Okay, and specifically, they looked at your reaction speed over time. Next, they did a driving test, which is considered to be a very monotonous test, but it does engage a lot of your brain systems. Okay, driving is actually an incredibly complex task. And so they, they measured this over a 40-minute time span. So it was a 40-minute driving test. They also did a two-choice reaction time. So if on the screen, it would show either a zero or a star. And if it showed a star, you had to press left. If it showed a zero, you had to press right. Okay, so two choices, reaction time, you have to go as fast as you can. They also did a running memory task, which measures your working memory. And so what you had to do was you had to quickly press a key on the on the computer if the last item that was shown was the same as the current item. So on the screen, it's just flashing these different items. Okay, so it might be like a might say one and then one and then one, and you would have had to have pressed twice there because the one was the item that was presented last time. Okay, so they keep presenting these items and you just have to keep it in your track and keep remembering what the last one that was shown. So what were the predictions? All right. If you predict that meal timing has no effect, you would assume that there would just be no difference between the groups. If you think eating is important, then you might suspect that the meal group would do the best on their cognitive performance metrics. Some people say if you don't eat anything, you're going to be, you know, hangry, you're going to have headaches, and your performance is going to be out the door. We also do have that previous data, though, in the lead-in study that showed that those who did eat a meal did worse. So we might predict the same thing to happen again. So there's a lot of different options here in terms of what you might think would actually happen. Now, one thing that I did see, which was kind of confusing to me, was they removed the data from five of the people in their final calculations. And they said that the reason for this was because they had extremely poor driving performance. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to know if someone is having extremely poor driving performance. They don't actually present the raw data, so I'm not exactly sure what they meant by that for those five particular people. But one thing that was very strange about this was that of those five people who had very poor driving performance, four of them were in the no eating condition. Okay, so maybe that's a little bit of a spoiler, but it seems like the no eating condition caused a lot of people to have very bad driving performance. Maybe it was just a fluke, I don't know, but I just wanted to let you know that this, this occurred. And when I see something like that, I get a little bit skeptical. I think that it might invalidate the research a little bit. But despite that, the rest of the study, they did a lot of really great stuff in this study because 
it's really hard to get people to enroll into a lab study where you have to go live live in the lab. And they just controlled for so much. So I am really a fan of this study, but that little bit of the data analysis did give me a small little, a little bit of concern. So here's what actually happened though. Consistently, performance decreased throughout the night shifts. And this is consistent with circadian biology and this idea that there is a buildup of mental fatigue throughout the night. So we see this in regular people all the time, but specifically what they saw was that there was a greater difficulty in staying in the lane. So in the driving simulator, they had a greater difficulty in adhering to the speed limit. They were crashing much sooner in the 4 a.m. drive test versus the 8 p.m. drive test. So after their, their night shift had concluded, reaction time was increased, which just means you were slower. Performance was worse. So that's what happened throughout the night shifts. But what they saw, which was really interesting, was that eating a large meal impaired cognitive performance to a much greater degree than the snack as well as the no eat condition. This led to an increase in subjective sleepiness. This led to impaired driving ability. This led to impaired attention after the driving tests. And this led to an impairment in their working memory. The group that did the absolute best was the snack group. They had the best performance and least subjective sleepiness. That's kind of the, the big finding of the study. But some other notes about what they found was that the magnitude of the driving impairment decreased across the four night shifts. So what do I mean by that? I mean that night one was the absolute worst. Whereas by night four, there were no differences in performance between any of the conditions. And the researchers suggest a couple things that they think might be the cause for this. The first one is that there was a huge amount of sleep deprivation going on in day one of the night shift. And this was due to them switching from a day shift to a night shift. And what that just naturally meant in that transition was that by the end of the night shift one, they had been awake for a 28-hour block of, of time, which is pretty significant. <laughs> and so after you had this little bit of sleep debt that was present, now the participants were able to sleep in the lab as much as they wanted to in these, you know, nice comfy beds and they were given the the daytime chance to catch up on their sleep, right? Because they switched from from uh, sleeping at night to sleeping in the day. And the researchers suggest that the sleep debt that was present on night one could have diminished by night four as they were able to catch up on their sleep. The other explanation is that there was a learning effect in the driving task. So maybe night one, they're just getting used to the, to the driving task and they find it really hard. It is a simulator, it wasn't actual driving. And by night four, there could have been a learning effect. They just got better at it as the days went on. So we don't actually know and that's something that would need to be teased out in future studies. So what is the mechanism behind these observations? Well, we know the brain needs additional resources at night. We also know that the digestive processes are 
far worse. Okay. People report feeling much worse after eating at night than versus the day. Your GI tract is physically moving slower. These things like your glucose tolerance aren't operating at peak. Any sort of cognitive task that you are engaging in at night requires additional resources than would be normal uh, if doing those exact same tasks during the daytime. And part of the problem with having a big meal is that it forces blood to your digestive system. Okay, and so when you have these cognitive tasks that are requiring additional resources than normal, and by resources, I mean things like oxygen, blood, nutrients, and so on, and you have this huge need in your brain, but you're forcing it all into your GI tract in order to process this giant meal that you gave it. They believe, the researchers believe, that this led to a greater impairment in performance in the meal condition over the no eating condition. Now, it still begs the question, though, why did the snack condition do the best? Because it seems like a snack condition would similarly lead to an impairment in performance because it is similarly diverting some resources, maybe less resources than the meal condition. Okay. But why would the no meal condition not have been the best? Right. Because they have absolutely zero resources that are being pulled away from the brain. And the researchers believe that the participants believe that eating something is important to maintain performance. A lot of people feel like they have to eat a snack throughout the night shift in order to sustain their performance or else their performance is going to be severely compromised. And so that belief effect might be one reason why the snack condition did better. So it wasn't taking up as much resources, but it was satisfying this belief that they had to eat in order to sustain performance. The other reason that the authors propose is that after the snack condition, they are more hungry than if they were in just a, in the no eat condition, which is kind of weird. It's almost like you got a tease. So you had a little bit of a snack and so now you're teased that you could have had a big meal, but you weren't allowed to. And so having that snack leads to these, this sub, subsequent hunger and the subsequent hunger causes you to be a little bit more alert because now you are kind of on the prowl. You're looking for food. And so that's another one of the reasons why they think the snack might have done better. So regardless of the reason, you know, we still don't know the exact reason for why performance was the best in the snack condition. But that was what the results showed. And that is something that is meaningful and practically useful for anyone who is forced to engage in some kind of cognitively demanding task during the nighttime. And the punchline is really, if you are forced to work at night and you have performance that is important, then you should opt for a small snack in the middle of your shift rather than a large meal and rather than just not eating anything. So in the study, the researchers used something that was 10% of their total calories. So if you were eating a standard 2000 calorie diet, a 200 calorie snack, it was balanced. It wasn't just pure carb or pure fat or pure protein. This was a, a snack that was relatively evenly distributed. It did have a preference for the carbohydrates, but it did have all of your macronutrients contained within this snack item. Okay, so a balanced snack, 10% of your total calories. That's been shown to maintain performance better than either having a big meal or 
having no food at all. And let's also not forget that not eating seems to cause a high likelihood of very, very poor driving performance, so much so that the researchers want to drop you out of the study. And with that, I'm going to leave you for the day. Thank you so much for for listening. If you can, please leave me a rating and review and let me know what you thought of this week's episode. I think it was a really fascinating study, and I hope you guys did too. I think it's practically useful for a lot of people who are forced to work and do things when it's not necessarily optimal. If you can, please subscribe as well. It really does help me out a lot, and I would greatly appreciate it. If none of that sounds good to you, feel free to just shoot me an email. My email is caseythomasrd at gmail.com. Just say hello. I like hearing from you. And uh, (laughs) with that, I'll let you go on your merry way. So take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.